0: Gracious God, as we come before you, we desire your voice, we do that desire to know your heart, and we, we desire, Lord God, to give you our hearts and say, Lord, this is one of those times in the week that we say, Lord, as a nation, um, there are things that just don't seem to make sense. So we just could do nothing else, but as children, we come before you to say, Lord, Father, Daddy, We give ourselves to you. We put ourselves in your presence. And may your peace that transcends all understanding be given and make sense to us now. So Lord, speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to focus mainly on Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7. And Paul starts out with saying, Rejoice! Again, I say, rejoice in the Lord always. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord and rejoice always. And the word rejoice is, some of you who who know grammar and uh, the terminology, it is an imperative. What is an imperative? It's a verb, command, do it, rejoice. And it kind of reminds me sometimes, you just don't feel like it. But your children are there, and you ever had this moment where... You're sitting around a table for Thanksgiving, maybe, and the kids are all grouchy. So you you say something like, be Be happy (laughs) and thankful. You you know, maybe we say, like, stop being sad. Be happy. And and we expect, like, the kids will go, oh, joy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We know it doesn't just get invoked by commanding. So sometimes we look at this text and we say the Bible... I don't know, it, it, it's, it's well intended, but it just doesn't make sense, it, it's irrelevant, because we have a week like this week, and how do Christians look at this world and say, joy? So I looked up the word joy in the dictionary, and you know, I think most of you would probably uh, define, have defined it for me, I had to look it up, and it's defined as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. So Paul is saying to us, no matter what, invoke a feeling of great happiness and pleasure. And I sometimes feel like that child whose parents are saying, get happy. So how do I do that? You know, I'm sorry, God. I'm going to be honest. This is hard to do. This is tough to do, to look at a world like this and say, joy. It, it's so hard. It almost seems insensitive, God. And Maybe some of you felt that. I, I can't watch the news and say, oh, God is still good and joy. It, it, the natural feeling is not that. Our intuition just doesn't scream joy, joy, because we acknowledge the world is broken. The world is full of darkness i was watching the news with my wife last night do you know how many shootings that we had this year in 2012 and they were displaying everything and it's gut-wrenching and um you know my wife and i i was preparing for the sermon as well as writing a paper this week when i got the news and i could i just broke down in the middle of starbucks when i heard the news and I thought they were four years old, five years old, because I thought they were Ethan's age. But then it hit me again because I realized they're all six and seven. They're Jamie's age, my middle child. And you just can't fathom how does this happen. And I want, I want us to realize something. We, we live in a connected world, don't we? You know what that means? What one- happens 3,000 miles away is not irrelevant. That's what makes humans humans, isn't it? We're not animals like antelope's running and one antelope gets eaten by a tiger and we go, yay, I lived." We get affected when somebody 3,000 miles away experiences tragedy, especially this kind. That's a connected world. That's a human. That's an image of God that he's placed in us. That what happens to you... What happens in this country affects everybody. This is what President Obama said. And just listen to the connectedness, that he's not just giving a pat response, but he's recognizing we are hurting together. Listen to a segment. So our hearts are broken today, our hearts. Not Connecticut, not Newtown. Our hearts are broken today. For the parents and grandparents, For the parents of the survivors, as well for the blessed, as they are to have their children home tonight, they know that their children's innocence has been torn away from them too early, and there are no words that will ease their pain. This hurts because we are connected. We don't look at this world and say irrelevance or it's just them. Sometimes we do. We watch the news and somebody gets shot, and we or somebody there's an accident. We say, "Well, that's sad." But something like this reminds us, we are not just animals. We are not just trying to get along. But there's something deep in our souls that connects us, that's beyond a nation, that's beyond our appearances, that goes depth to the depth of our soul. And in light of this fallen, broken world, Paul says to us, what? Rejoice. So I want to say, Paul, no way. I can't. And I want to say to us today we feel grief, anger, and pain when we watch the news. And I think this needs to be said, although some of you are way more seasoned and wiser than I am. But I just want to say it out loud. It's okay to recognize that this is not okay. You need to hear it's okay to say this is not right. It's okay for us to say, I am angry, and I don't know why. It's okay for us to come to church today and not just be worshipers who kind of act as if we live in a different world. It's okay for us to say, God, I'm hurting bad. How could this happen? And I'm so confused. And it's okay to weep. Because incidents like this is not the will of God. This is not God's plan. This is not the design of God somehow to bring something great out of it. That, that happens. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We believe that. But when this evil happens, we don't recognize this is what God intended. God could salvage it and he will redeem it, but he did not intend this. So that brings us back to Paul. Paul, how in the world do you say rejoice? And he adds that word. I wish he said rejoice in worship. That's easier, right? Rejoice on birthdays. Rejoice when your son comes home from the war. Rejoice when you have a new baby. I wish he said something like that. But he had to use this word, pentante, which is always. Rejoice always. And I'm saying, how do we do that? And when you take Philippians 4, 4 and 5, you have to kind of take a step back, and he actually answers it. He says, it's as if Paul said to us, Jason, um, God gave me these words to write, but I want you to know I'm not living in this religious, idealized world. Because, Jason, I'm writing rejoice. Do you know what I went through? And do you guys want?" no suffering. Did you know that? He was shipwrecked three times. He was beaten with a rod almost to death three times. He was stoned and survived. He's the man. He's like Hercules. You know, when you get stoned, they keep throwing rocks on you, pummeling until you're dead, and I'm not sure how he survived that. He gets bitten by a poison snake. This guy knows suffering. So he's saying, Jason, I can say rejoice not as somebody who's lived a comfortable life and says just be happy despite the suffering I find joy so that begs for us to ask a question how anybody right how do you find joy in this and I think the key is we got to read verse 4 and 5 together let me read it together like this rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I think it's in there. The key to joy and what Paul is saying is in there. It's in two things. Our joyfulness is not in circumstances or things going well. What was it in? Rejoice in the Lord. Our joy is not in what happens around us. If that's you, you are very superficial. I'm sorry. If your joy is based on what happens around you, you don't have substance as a person. I'm so sorry. You're living a shallow life. Because you're happy if things are happy. You're sad when things are sad. You're like what James says. You're like this wishy-washy person that the wind blows away. We need to find joy in something bigger than a day-to-day. You know who finds joy like that? Teenagers. I find it so funny. Teenagers will be so happy some boy, cute boy says to them, hi, Lucy, and they're like, oh, mom, today was the best day of my life. Same, next day, teenage, she be, Lucy, we're going to go. ah, oh. someone says, oh, I don't like you. Oh, mom, I just want to die. That's adolescence, isn't it? I hope there's none of you who live like that now. Because our joy is not in circumstance. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord as a person. We'll get into that. But he says something else. He actually adds another thing. Rejoice always because, here's that line, the Lord is near. Paul is saying we can rejoice always for two things. Because Jesus is the center of your joy and my joy. The one, the Alpha Omega, that doesn't change. The one, do you remember, who came 2,000 years ago because he loves you so much. He came down from the thrones of heaven to take your place on the cross, to die and shed the blood that you should have shed, to pay the damnation that we deserved. That Lord is alive. And he reigns right now. And you can find joy in him. But this Lord is also coming back. It is not despite the darkness of the world, but it is precisely in the middle of the dark world that Jesus' light shines, and the Lord is the joy that we hold to, even in the midst of grief and pain. You know, um, I found this fascinating thing. If you have your Bibles, can you turn to Revelation, chapter 22, verse 16? And I want you to underline it if use your Bible. If it's not your Bible, underline it anyway so someone else can read it. Revelation 22, verse 16. And the Bible gives a lot of names for Jesus. What are some names of Jesus you've heard other than Jesus? You know it. Messiah, Lord of all, the Lamb, the The Counselor, Savior, Emmanuel. Awesome. These are great names. And we call them Rose of Sharon, the Lion of Judah. The root of Jesse, that Elizabeth read so well today. Jesus gives himself a name. He says, I love these names, but I, I got a name for myself. In Revelation twenty two sixteen, 16, he says this I, just in case you don't know, he gives his name, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the Messiah, the King of Kings, the one who came to bring, establish a kingdom that's eternal. But then he says this, and the bright, what is it? Morning Morning star. What is the morning star? It's in capital. That's a name that he has given himself. I am the morning star. What is the morning star? We all know darkness comes, and they say there's a saying that it is the most darkest just before dawn. And we know that darkness is all around us. But what is the morning star? Morning star is this that no matter how dark it gets at nighttime, you can be sure of something. Jesus is pointing to it. You can be sure of one thing. What is that? The sun's coming up. Darkness does not win. In the midst of darkness, light always will prevail. That- you know what darkness is? Darkness is not even a matter. It's not a matter of substance. What is darkness darkness is the absence of light it's a vacuum it absorbs light and it just stays there but when the morning star comes darkness runs darkness is defeated and darkness is overwhelmed by the bright morning star which is not an act of God it is God amen Jesus Christ is this bright morning star. So when we come before God in darkness, in a world that is troubled, we can say rejoice in the Lord always because my joy is not rooted in the world going well. We acknowledge it's a broken world, God. We need a Savior, and the Savior is Jesus. So we acknowledge that in the midst of darkness, our joy is rooted deep. And guess what? The more this world reminds us that it's broken, guess what people of God do? We look forward to the coming morning star. And that is Advent. So today we come not saying Find artificial joy in your own willpower, but find your joy in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection, that takes tragedies like this and says, that is precisely, Jason, why I came, to die on the cross and to rise again and to undo the work of sin and death in this world. Look at what Revelation 21 says. We heard this maybe at memorials, but this beckons us to say it. This is what Jesus, when he comes, will establish. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. Joy, our joy. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, violence, disease, cancer, shootings. All will be gone. All will be wiped away. All will be undone. For the old order of things has passed away. Verse 5, he who is seated on the throne says, I am making everything new. Hallelujah. Can we say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. This is We don't come to church and worship despite. Say, well, we don't want good. God is good. God is good. No, no. We enter into the pain. We enter into the darkness so that in the darkness light shines even brighter. What I want to encourage you today is this that as we face evil, we want to go before God today and say, God, this hurts. God, you are still the light. God, we are in darkness. And today, what we're going to do is spend a couple of minutes invite you to just respond in any way. And I'm not going to give a meaning to you about what light the candle is. For some of you, you may light a candle because it signifies a child one of the children that was lost. Or the adults or the teachers that sacrifice themselves. For some of you, it's a confession that Jesus, you are my light, and you will light a candle. For some of you, God, I don't know what to pray but I just wanna light this candle. That's my prayer to you. And what we're gonna do right now is just, we're simply gonna come before God, acknowledging the bright morning star, the one we look forward to. He's coming. You know, the funny thing about family reunions, right? If you're 2,000 miles away, what happens when the day approaches that you'll be joined together again? Mom, you're coming back in three days? Awesome. What happens as you get closer to the date? You're still not closer, but what happens? You find joy because you anticipate this reunion. And that's what we're doing today. We're saying, Jesus, we anticipate that you will permanently take away all these hurts. And therefore, today, and in you, I rejoice. For some of us, we're not just there yet, we're still grieving, and come up and light a candle as a sign of whatever it may be. So I want to invite us for the next 10 minutes, as you are able to come up, light one, light two, light as many as you want. We got a lot of candles, but we're going to spend some time in prayer, recognizing Jesus is our light, and we're praying to him today.